Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Okay, we're back for another podcast in the Malibu studios with Mark. Thanks for coming in, Mark. That's an easy commute. What can I say? Well, I'm happy to say that we had some great feedback on your first attempt at an essay-style podcast when you read about chronic cardio, so I thought we'd tee up another one. Uh, Yeah, what do you have in mind? Well, (laughs) the wonderful Primal Connection and a nice excerpt that you've picked out. You have a few, actually, but I thought um, your favorite one's going to be on Slate for today. Okay. Yeah, you know, one of the things uh, that I I find, um, I don't know, a little disappointing is it not as many people uh, bought The Primal Connection? It's a great book. It won three awards last year uh, from, from uh, various uh, organizations. But I kind of get it. I mean, I think once people have read The Primal Blueprint, you know, they get the diet dialed in, they get the exercise thing dialed in, they sort of understand the basic premise uh, of the primal lifestyle. But the idea behind Primal Connection was to go a little bit deeper and to look into areas that uh, weren't so obvious. Uh, playing in the dirt, uh, you know, really getting your sleep and your sun exposure uh, figured out. And uh, one of those aspects had to do with primal play, which became sort of my favorite topic for 2013 and, and going into this year. It's really how can I find ways to get more excitement out of life by incorporating more play into my life. Yeah, I mean, play is also a hot topic in the original Primal Blueprint, but in the Primal Connection, you talk about that playful spirit beyond just, hey, I play Frisbee on the weekend, just cultivating this playful spirit and in the process developing a, quote, cognitively fluid mind, which is so important. That's a quote from Stuart Brown, the world's leading expert and author on the concept of play. Yeah, it's overlooked so much in our lives. We get so deeply embedded in the uh, family cycle, the work cycle, you know, just the routine of life that we sort of overlook play. We think of play as a luxury when, in fact, Early ages on, our brains are are plastic. They are ready to be molded and shaped by experiences and play throughout all of human history. Play was a, a, a vital part of that plasticity of the brain, of, of getting it to the point where whether it was problem solving or whether it was uh, social cooperation or even figuring out your uh, your place in the hierarchy of uh, the tribe or the, or the family unit. Uh, these were all aspects of play that made play kind of a workshop for the brain and becoming uh, a better human organism. Right. And also, when you're playing, you're pondering and processing so-called what-if scenarios without the life-or-death penalty in terms of our ancestors. Not today, of course, but it allows for the development of that cognitively fluid mind and that problem-solving without actually being chased by a lion. You're being chased by one of your friends and climbing up a rock and seeing where your limits are and so forth. So what's interesting is the anthropologists observed one of the dramatic spikes in human longevity. One was uh, the cultivation of grains and civilization. But around 30,000 years ago, um, they saw another spike in the population growth 
And one of the main attributes, uh, causes, was the ability to have that free time, that leisure time to play and, and enhance their cognitive function. Right, exactly. So without further ado, why don't we uh, get into this essay and uh, see what the listeners think. Yeah, what's cool also in, in July, we had a special promo on Amazon Kindle and this thing skyrocketed up the charts and it was actually, what, what did it hit as it high? I think number four overall worldwide, all books on Kindle. So it hit number four. It helped that there was a special promotion for uh, that the price was a buck for a 25-hour period, and now it's back to its normal price of of nine ninety nine. But the great thing is, I think it's still a bargain at nine ninety nine for the digital version. The hard copy is more, but um, you can go on there, and I did this last Christmas, where you can actually order the book and spit it out to five or ten friends or family just by typing their emails in, and then they received a gift in their email saying, "Hey, click here, and you got this nice book." Great. That's a great idea. I, I would encourage people to do that then. So the excerpt that you picked out is called Primal Thrills, and it's near the end, the final chapter in the Primal Connection. Thanks for reading it today. Primal Thrills with Mark Sisson. Here we go. How could life for a hunter-gatherer be anything but an adventure? Just as our ancestors ventured to the edge once in a while, our genes expect the same from us. That's right. Every once in a while, we need to do something that pushes our limits and expands our boundaries. This urge is as natural as it is stirring. I'm talking about an occasional adrenaline rush to refresh and reset your cognitive and emotional compasses. The sort that suspends you in the heady risk of action, where time seems to stop, or at least slows down considerably. I'm talking about the kind of thing where you are fully engaged in the moment and become raw awareness, where the heightening of the senses can feel like skating along a razor edge that separates focus from fear. There is indeed a certain thrill in testing our nerves, pondering how much farther down a darkening forest path we'll go until fear or practical thoughts win out. Extreme physical endeavors like freestyle skiing, mountain biking, climbing, surfing, whitewater rafting, and so on, do the same thing. Such activities depend on sensory acuteness. Obviously, I wouldn't recommend doing them without proper instruction, guided practice, and setting sensible limits, but in gaining mastery of these sports, We feel out and fine-tune our perceptiveness. We learn to trust our gut, habit number six. A matter of a couple of degrees in one's lean on a steep hill can spell disaster for a skier. The angle and heights of rifts in a whitewater scene tell a kayaker how to navigate. A climber learns the subtle difference between the feel of a foothold that is steady and one that is compromised or too shallow. In this way, extreme endeavors and other spontaneous, inspired physical activities take us out of the rational and plant us wholly in the sensory. Extreme athletes, as suggested by Diane Ackerman, noted naturalist and author of Natural History of the Senses, reference a sense of cleansing and divestiture when explaining what draws them to their passions. They enter that precipice between actual danger and exuberant experimentation tempting fate to relish the thrill of the chase, holding back just enough that they can withdraw in time to save their skins. So much of life these days is routinized, regimented, parceled out for maximum efficiency and order. We spend much of our lives on a comfortable, safe plateau. Such is the opportunity modern life affords. Few of us face any real hazard in a day. Few of us experience shocks to the system, those fleeting moments of hormesis, and are confronted by our own mortality in material, appreciable ways, or with any regularity. 
For the most part, it's a profound benefit and historical boon to live in an age of unmatched certainty compared to that of our distant and not-so-distant ancestors. Yet something in us feels the incongruity. We evolved facing threat. All those eons and thousands of generations molded our bodies and minds for acute risk and corresponding resilience. It's unnatural to live without it. Something in our genetic capacity languishes. Something in our inherent nature withers or, alternatively, rebels. We become bored, overtaken by a sense of detached fatigue and inexplicable ennui. In response, we fabricate risk with meaningless social drama or do genuinely dangerous, irresponsible, and stupid things that offer nothing to our health or self-actualization. Or we quietly, unconsciously acquiesce. There's a price for this resignation, I think. As Ackerman puts it, where there is no risk, the emotional terrain is flat and unyielding, and despite all its dimensions, valleys, pinnacles, and detours, life will seem to have none of its magnificent geography, only a length. In the end, risk, as irrational as it is, is intuitive. Without it, we live stuck, inert, fixed at the center. We give up the chance to explore the wild peripheries of living and the reinvigoration that adventure offers even when we come back to the base of everyday life. When you honor these impulses, you return to ordinary life refreshed and deeply appreciative of your secure surroundings, a warm shower, a nourishing meal, a group of friends to regale with your tales of adventure. We are indeed a species that thrives in dichotomy. Risk doesn't have to be physical, of course, and I'm not suggesting you deliberately insert yourself in dangerous situations. I believe, however, that we benefit from activities that propel us to heightened mental and physical states in which we further develop our often half-used senses and give ourselves over to a more primitive but powerful source of focus. Consider the 16th century's Portuguese explorer Ferdinand Magellan and his 43,000-mile journey to circumnavigate the globe. In search of a western route to the Spice Islands from Europe, he sailed down the South American coast, south, south, south into stormy seas and an increasingly brutal winter with absolutely no idea where the southern tip was or how long it would take to get there. Once around the continent, he fully expected to encounter the Spice Islands, that would be near modern-day Indonesia, in short order, only to deal with an additional three months of sailing the endless and endless in the most profound sense of the word, waters of the Pacific. Sitting here today with Google Earth at our fingertips, it's almost impossible to comprehend such a mysterious, treacherous, perspective-altering journey. Closer to home, I can recall with great detail the looks on my kids' faces on the occasions of their first bike ride, first sleepover camp, and first time taking the car out solo. Certainly, you have cherished memories of facing challenges, uncertainty, or even danger, and the resulting sense of personal accomplishment. Heck, I've failed numerous challenges, but grew from the experience of having tried. Like Magellan, we still possess our factory wiring for adventure, a continual desire to explore the limits of our physical and mental capabilities and our world in general. What we are going for here is a calculated risk. We access this through the physical realm because the intensity and graphic nature of physical challenges build confidence and bravery virtues that can be applied to other connections suggested in this book and life as a whole. Clearly, such risks are subjective, and you alone preside over your definition of what constitutes a calculated risk. 
A close friend of mine defines it as base jumping off El Capitan, Yosemite's nearly 3,000-foot-tall granite monolith. We've hiked the trail to the top together, but I can't even bring myself to get close enough to the edge to watch his performance. Conversely, if you're the type to test the limits of your motorcycle skills by revving up to 120 miles an hour on the interstate at midnight, you may need to question if you are distorting this primal urge for adventure. Pushing the envelope demands that you access the flow state. To reiterate the disclaimer, there is no need to put your life in danger to access this state of mind. Psychology professor Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi asserts that your challenges must sync with your abilities. Something too easy will bore you, but something too difficult, too dangerous, and too far outside your comfort zone will likely cause you to disengage and become consumed by fear or frustration. I can sense very well where the limitations of my snowboarding abilities lie, and I always stay well clear of crossing that line into the danger zone. I accept the calculated risks of sliding down a mountain slope, do my very best to mitigate these inherent risks by staying totally focused and cognizant of my limits. I believe strongly that the vast majority of accidents, not only in extreme sports but also in all physical activities, result from stupid mistakes rather than the natural consequence of the inherent risk. Often, the stupid mistake involved is the initial decision to attempt an endeavor with excessive risk. I respect and marvel at big wave surfers, extreme skiers, and mountaineers, but I reject exceeding the limits of skill and common sense in the name of accomplishment. A skydiving friend of mine related a serious accident where he sustained numerous broken bones and damaged organs, but lived to tell about it. The cause was a malfunctioning parachute that opened only partially due to improper packing. He typically paid an attendant at the skydiving center 20 bucks to pack his chutes. He was saving time so he could take more jumps. Upon returning to the sport, he decided to assume that job himself. Whatever your parameters are, it's essential to assess the risk versus reward factor carefully and harness all the concentration you can muster, not only to achieve the exalted flow, but to be safe. The goal is to proceed accordingly through exciting physical challenges, experience the thrill of being in the zone or the flow, increase your competency at your favorite activities, and broaden your horizons to pursue exciting new challenges in the future. As you pursue primal thrills in the adrenaline rush category, a certain element of physical risk and danger may be involved. But the same holds true anytime you zone out in daily life. In fact, when you access the flow state and test your boundaries, you invariably improve your ability to focus, heighten your awareness of risk and danger, and access elevated mental and physical states where your attention becomes primal instead of scattered. If you've walked by the pickup basketball game in the park every day at lunch but never summoned the guts to play, jump in there one time and see if you can hang. Hey, you might get embarrassed, but you can hold your head higher than that guy who walks by every day and never takes his shot. Did you high jump, throw the shot, or pole vault back in the day? See if you can reawaken old passions like these through a local community sports program. If you already have a certain level of devotion to serious physical challenges, see if you can take things to the next level. In Bone Games, Extreme Sports, Shamanism, Zen, and the Search for Transcendence, author Rob Schultheis discusses how being pushed to the edge of his physical limits allowed him to access a higher level of consciousness and peak performance. He relates accessing the flow or the zone during a perilous mountain climbing experience. Having suffered significant injuries in a fall, he was stuck in the wilderness with a dangerous storm approaching. Inspired at a primal level by his dire circumstances, 
He proceeded to descend a treacherous mountain pass with uncanny speed and mastery. In Schulteis's words, something happened on that descent, something I've tried to figure out ever since, so inexplicable and powerful it was. I found myself very simply doing impossible things, dozens, scores of them, as I climbed down Neva's lethal slopes. Shattered, in shock, I climbed with the impeccable sureness of a snow leopard, a mountain goat. When Schultheis healed his body and returned to the scene of his adventure later, he could scarcely believe what he had accomplished and the danger level that he'd barely blinked at. To follow are a few more suggestions for primal thrills, but I want to emphasize imagination and creativity on this connection. There are plenty of ways to push your boundaries in your everyday life. Maybe volunteer to do some public speaking or ask for that much-deserved raise. But overall, I want you to think about outdoor, natural settings, minimal logistics, and pursuing the purity of the experience. See if you can call up a healthy bit of fear, anxiety, and uncertainty of outcome, within reason, of course, in order to access a higher level of consciousness and peak performance. Amusement parks. Challenging the laws of gravity is a surefire way to get a safe rush. Granted, the long lines and cotton candy stands might not be as badass as Schultheis scrambling down a dangerous slope during a lightning storm, or modern-day Magellans racing in the Vendée Globe. However, the water slides, the roller coasters, and the ever more sophisticated and gasp-inducing contraptions rising from your nearest amusement park are a harmless way to get crazy and extreme. What's more, your genes don't know the difference between a life-or-death adrenaline rush and a simulated one at the amusement park. Try a night hike. Join a local recreation group that offers organized night hikes or snowshoe outings. Expect some sweaty palms, an elevated heart rate, and jittery nerves as you enter into the unfamiliar world of darkness. As you proceed with your adventure, a sense of focus and peace will edge out of your initial fears. In a short while, your hardwired instinct and sensory acuity will take over and you'll realize you're somehow able to balance your body deftly along a dark, rocky trail. You'll hear every small sound and identify the exact source. As other long-buried primal abilities present themselves, you'll gain courage and confidence that is hard to acquire via the quarterly sales contest or the adult softball league playoffs. Any type of competition, anything that gets your competitive juices flowing, will facilitate a flow experience. Join that pickup basketball game, organize a neighborhood ping-pong tournament, or pull the trigger and enter a mud run, beach volleyball tournament, or mini triathlon. Jump off something. Jumping from an elevated perch into water could be the quintessential primal thrill. Find a river, lake, or ocean with rocky shorelines and a suitable perch from which to launch. Failing these options, go for the high diving board at a local swimming pool. Caution and good sense are advised here. First, if you haven't seen anyone else jump from the spot, you're taking a risk. Second, I go feet first when jumping into any body of water besides a swimming pool. If the water is not crystal clear, I first dive down and thoroughly examine the landing area to ensure it's of a safe depth and there are no debris or protruding objects beneath the surface. While it's hard to do damage jumping from 10 feet or less, anything over that height requires correct form to prevent injury. For example, even something as innocuous as hitting the surface with your arms outstretched can tear a rotator cuff when you're a couple stories high and beyond. Also, it's a great idea to wear Vibrams or sneakers to protect your bare feet from impact trauma. Try martial arts. This affords mind-body benefits along with all-around physical conditioning. Breaking bricks. <laughs> Breaking bricks. What a great metaphor for becoming a more powerful and confident person. How about a mini-adventure race? 
choose three or more modes of transportation, and establish a challenge to go from point A to point B using various forms of locomotion, human-powered only. For example, take a bike ride to the lake, swim to the opposite shore, hike the perimeter to return to your bike, and then ride back home. Throw in a skateboard, scooter, or, if you have winter conditions, snowshoes, cross-country skis, and ice skates. City dwellers can try this. Hike two blocks to a building with 20-plus stories and accessible stairs. Climb and descend the staircase, then hike another two blocks to a new building and repeat. How about a nature challenge? Mountain climbing, rock climbing, water sports such as swimming, surfing, stand-up paddling, water skiing, wakeboarding, wake surfing, and winter sports like downhill, cross-country skiing, ice skating, all entail synchronizing your physical efforts with natural forces, going with the flow. You haven't lived until you've tried stand-up paddling or wake surfing. Yep, without a rope behind a ski boat. Moving within a naturally varied environment like water virtually demands that you transition out of the analytical state into a flow-like state. Try a photo scavenger hunt. A game director is required to administrate this game. Form several teams, the more the better, of two to three people. Arm each team with a digital camera. The game director prepares a list of items to photograph with corresponding point values for degree of difficulty. On the photo list, describe points of interest in your area, riddles that reveal a specific location, and outrageous, difficult-to-orchestrate situations. For instance, a photo of a team member getting shampooed at a hair salon, eating a watermelon with a stranger on a bus bench, sitting astride a Harley-Davidson motorcycle with a non-domesticated animal visible in the picture, or submerged in a pool holding a bag of potato chips. Begin by distributing the photo list to the teams, start the clock, and establish a return time of two to three hours. Upon return, each team's photos are evaluated, points tabulated, and a winner declared. Printing out the photos onto a collage for each team makes a great souvenir. I like slacklining. It's such a simple endeavor, but one of powerful symbolism. A slack line is a flat nylon tightrope a couple inches wide that you suspend from two anchor points, such as trees or strong posts or poles. As the name suggests, the line is not taut under the user's weight. Rather, it will stretch and recoil under the load. It looks easy, but it's a tremendous challenge to simply mount the line and keep your footing. The dynamic tension in the line can send you flying off with the slightest disturbance to your center of gravity. Slacklining is an activity that engrosses you immediately. An approach that's too casual will send you flying off the rope, try too hard, and you might soon find your legs doing the dreaded sewing machine, uncontrollable twitching. But when you can get into the sweet spot of balance and start taking steps up and down the line, it's a blissful, connected feeling. Search YouTube for Slackline World Cup and you'll see the amazing exploits of trick liners who use the line like a trampoline, launching to perform aerial tricks and then landing gracefully back on the skinny line. Try speed golf. Wait until twilight and tee off on an empty course. Carry a junior golf bag with just a handful of clubs. Jog from shot to shot and play quickly, but at the same time making your best effort to score well, including putting. Count one point for each stroke and each minute on the course to produce a total score. Top speed golf professionals can shoot in the 70s and finish an entire 18-hole regulation course in around 40 minutes. Ultimate Frisbee. If you haven't tried it, you are missing out on one of the most enjoyable games around. All ages and ability levels can play safely together with minimal equipment or logistics and in groups of varied numbers. I recommend a minimum of six players and a maximum of 16. 
Depending on the size of the group, a field of 50 to 100 yards length and 35 to 50 yards wide is ideal. The game, the proper term is simply ultimate since Frisbee is actually a brand name, is somewhat like soccer with a flying disc. Teams try to score a goal by covering the length of the field, passing the disc, and crossing the end line. You can pass forward or backward to any open teammate, but cannot run if you are the passer. If a team on offense drops the disc, the other team takes position on the spot immediately and tries to pass to open players and get across the opposite end line. It's nonstop action. Players should match up with opponents appropriately by size and ability, covering players from the opposing team in man-to-man defense style. However, no physical contact with an opponent is allowed except incidental contact going for the flying disc. These rules allow for the full and safe inclusion of a diverse group. Now here's an exercise you might like to try to help you expand your comfort zone. Get an oversized piece of paper, an artist's sketch pad, some butcher paper, whatever, it doesn't have to be fancy. Draw a circle in the middle of the paper. Inside, title the circle Comfort Zone. Write the names of 15 skills that are currently inside your comfort zone, an arbitrary boundary that your mind has created inside of which you feel safe, confident, relaxed, and risk-free. Can you run three miles comfortably? Rattle off 25 push-ups. Program computer software. Sell real estate. Write screenplays. Write down your particulars in the circle if they are routine for you. Then think about related endeavors that are outside your comfort zone that you wish to achieve. Maybe it's run six miles, do 50 push-ups in one effort, or perhaps actually sell your screenplay. Write down these ideas outside of the circle. That was the warm-up stuff. Now, go beyond fitness and professional skills into matters of personal conduct, career, and relationships. Have you been getting vibes from the guy at the coffee house, but are hesitant to ask him out? Write it down outside the circle. Do you comfortably communicate with your teenager about intimate personal matters, or do you wish things could be more open on that front? Keep going with anything that comes to mind. Refer to the Primal Thrills suggestions as well as the summaries of the previous sections of the book. Write down some important connections you'd like to make that are outside your comfort zone. These don't all have to be quantifiable. You could write about being more patient, taking criticism better, or improving your listening skills. Don't worry, you don't have to display the completed workshop on your front door. This is a private exercise to get you in touch with some personal growth opportunities. Now, circle five of the most important things lying outside your comfort zone that you would like to bring inside your comfort zone immediately. Have that difficult talk with your boss or loved one. Achieve an ambitious fitness goal. Approach the coffee clerk and so forth. If necessary, write some notes next to the item with specifics on how you plan to take that immediate action. As you tackle each of these challenges, realize that your comfort zone grows larger and larger. Essentially, this represents your lifelong goal, to tackle new challenges continually and to expand your comfort zone by doing so. Here's a summary of the topics discussed. We play more than any other species, and we are one of the few that does not cease to play once we reach adulthood. Play is and always has been vital for our survival and advancement as a species. It's part of our cognitive survival set, providing opportunities to learn, process what-if scenarios, experiment, and solve problems. But in the moment, true play has no particular purpose. When you play, you have no attachment to the outcome. You aren't too old or too adult to play, and you needn't treat it like a guilty pleasure when you indulge. Embrace play with all the abandon of children. Throw yourself into it and don't look back. It's good for you. Remember, discover your own brand of play. For many of us, the impulse is to gravitate towards something we enjoy and excel at. But the very nature of play is to explore, to innovate, to be creative, and to experience anew. Pick up a tool. 
take a class at a home supply center and build something. Arm yourself with a paintbrush, a camera, a chisel, a quilting needle. Learn a craft. The mind devises, but the hand itself thinks, designs, knows. Find the flow in focused craftsmanship. Explore art, music, reading, or take a mental break at work and throw paper airplanes or doodle caricatures. Let your imagination run free. And try to indulge in some primal thrills. The urge to explore the limits of our minds, bodies, and environment is as natural as it is stirring. There's a certain thrill in testing your nerves, and when you're in the heady risk of action, time stops and you become raw awareness. We are factory wired to want to explore our limits and our world in general. And if our thirst for adventure is constantly suppressed, we become bored and develop a sense of detached fatigue. Adrenaline rushes allow you to return to ordinary life refreshed and appreciative of simple pleasures. Whatever you choose to do, do it safely with respect for the activity and your abilities, or lack thereof, and enjoy the heightened experience of knowing you are alive. Mark, thank you. That was interesting. I'm, I'm kind of uh, psyched up to go try and pursue some primal thrills right now. Um, I am too, as a matter of fact. I, having read that, I realize I haven't, uh, haven't followed my own advice for a while. I need to find something new and exciting immediately. Well, Ultimate Frisbee was on the list, and I enjoyed some primal thrills uh, making my annual appearance at the famed Malibu Ultimate Frisbee game. It is a lot of fun. Um, there was a lot of soreness involved in the next couple of days because I'm, I'm not a regular player. And it was, it was thrilling until the point that you kept scoring touchdowns on me because I happened to be assigned to guarding you. Well, you know, we can always have a rematch. <laughs> I'll, I'll recover and then, and then think about that. Um, some of the important stuff you mentioned at the end about the safety factor and not m misinterpreting this and going out and being a daredevil. Um, what, what do you think the cutoff is? I mean, there's risk involved in everything. You had a serious injury playing Ultimate Frisbee, but it's not inherently dangerous like tackle football. No, but that's a good example. My, the injury I got in the, that particular game was because I made a stupid, risky move. And it's literally the minute I made the move, I, I recognized that something could go wrong. So um, it comes back to the point that I, I read about uh, a little bit earlier that um, I think intuitively we know where that line is for each of us, and we, um, we develop that. Um, and that's part of what play gives us is the ability to, to know where the line is. It is that safe experimentation that gives us an opportunity, um, safe experimentation in play that gives us an opportunity when it comes to real-life thrilling adventures to sort of know where our boundaries are and just push against them gently and not so aggressively. Right, exactly. That's a good point. I mean, when you talk about the um, the cables at Half Dome, which for people in California, it's an incredible hike, and the last 500 feet of vertical ascent up the granite, you have to hold on to these cables, and it's it can be quite dangerous, but if you're an experienced hiker, it's no big deal. But what happens is you get the U-Haws out there that don't play enough in daily life, they don't hike, they don't engage with nature, and those are the ones that are slipping and falling. Or just holding up the group because they, they, they realize they've bitten off more than they can chew. Well, there was a terrible accident in Yosemite a few years ago where people were wading in the water, um, you know, 15 yards upstream from Yosemite Falls, and all the experienced people were yelling at them to get out, but they didn't have any concept of the danger because their lives were so structured and regimented. Yeah, so that, that all falls under the, um, the original primal blueprint law of avoid stupid mistakes, I think. Uh, not so much, you know, th that's not an example necessarily of primal thrills that, you know, where you're pushing the envelope of your comfort zone, but... So there's, you know, again, back, back to everything about Mark's Daily Apple and the Primal Blueprint 
has to do with my desire to allow people to see for themselves, to, to, to develop a, 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 an intuitive sense of what's the right amount of food to eat, what kinds of food to eat, what choices to make, what sorts of exercise to do to, to, to become fit, to intuitively get where each person's comfort zone and boundary lies and then gently push against those boundaries with, uh, by exploring these, these um, opportunities that we call primal thrills. Uh, interesting that you mentioned you have a lot of playful elements of your life. You get your frisbee game, your paddling, your outdoor stuff. Uh, but you 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 admitted that you want to find something new and exciting, and constantly looking for challenge and variety. Um, one of my favorite quotes from the passage was, "Otherwise, if we don't do that, quote, we fabricate risk with meaningless social drama." Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people have undertaken risky behavior on Twitter or Facebook or. Uh, you know they've that that's they're fabricating some element of of uh, adrenaline rush by pushing the envelope either socially with socially inept or inappropriate comments or whatever. Um, that's sort of what I meant by that. But no, but back to the, the idea that there's uh, that there are ways in which we need to be creative in exploring the boundaries. Uh, for me, you know, I've I've got a list of my bucket list of things to do, and I try to knock one or two things off the bucket list every every year, and that's one of those areas that um, I probably look to if I'm if I'm looking for a new challenge. Is you know, what are some of the things I said I wanted to do when I was 12 and 15 and 25 and 38, and I still haven't done, and that's you know, so I I, I like I like keeping a bucket list for that reason. How's that uh, learning to swim faster going? <laughs> I never had that on my bucket list because I. That was one of those things that uh, I didn't think was going to be. It's certainly outside my comfort zone, but I don't think it had any merit to me in the long run. So uh, um, that's that's not on the list. <laughs> yeah, you were you were giving your talk at PrimalCon, and uh, most people are aware that you are one of the top Ironman people from the old days, and you you took fourth place in the Hawaii Ironman World Championships when you were a professional triathlete. But you also set a record that may never be broken out there. Yeah, slowest swim time for a top five finisher. Uh, it will never be broken, um, clearly. But uh, yeah, it's just so I, I find things that that not only challenge me but interest me. And you know, I can swim; that's fine. I just don't have any desire to plunge into the water on a regular basis and and work on that um, just for the sake of going faster. On the other hand, you know, one of my bucket list items is I want to I want to play piano and and uh, sing in a, in, a, in a lounge one night and make 50 bucks in tips, for instance. You know, that's, that's the sort of comfort zone I'm talking about. That would be a $50 bill or 51s to put 51s, in a giant, yeah. a giant frame and yeah. uh, put them up on the wall and don't spend them. Uh, well, that's a good point because the many examples that you mentioned, and I really appreciate I remember when you were working on the manuscript and I begged you to put speed golf in as one of the, one of the suggestions, which is my favorite sport. They're, they're so diverse. I mean, take a class at Home Depot uh, go out and stand up paddle. It's all over the board. And what it really comes down to is when you cultivate that playful spirit, anything can be playful, including uh, throwing trash into the wastebasket at work, which we're about to do now for our um, third rematch. What do we double it? Nothing at uh, 20 bucks right now? Uh, it's, it's, it's 13 bucks that I'm down, but I, I don't want to do double or nothing again. So anyway, listeners, thank you so much for joining Mark Sisson for that podcast essay. I'm your host, Brad Kearns, and we'll see you at the next Primal Blueprint podcast. Hey, podcasts are great, but how about a life-changing weekend at PrimalCon? Coming up is the historic occasion of our fifth annual event, 
in Oxnard that's on the beach in Southern California at the amazing Embassy Suites Mandalay Beach Resort. It's about an hour north of Los Angeles, one of the best kept secrets in Southern California, this resort right on the sands of the beautiful beach town of Oxnard. And we have an amazing park there, an expanse of grass and all kinds of fun stuff to play on. So we'll be spending a fun weekend outdoors with an awesome slate of presenters talking and presenting on all manner of physical activity, diet, health, nutrition, posture and movement mechanics, all kinds of topics covered. So you'll get a great education from the world's leading experts, but we'll also have a ton of fun and excitement. Of course, we're going to play the annual Survivor Team Challenge, just like you see on TV, except this one is more fun, more challenging. It includes brain teasers and good team strategy challenges. We're also going to have, of course, the world-famous Primal Con Ocean Plunge slash Jacuzzi Sprint. So you're going to run into the pretty cold ocean, guaranteed. And then about a two-minute sprint where we take over the entire jacuzzi at the Mandalay Beach Resort. People look at us like we're crazy, but it's tons of fun. And then we're going to dine on the all-time fabulous Primal Con food, which you can see all kinds of pictures of on the website. So visit PrimalBlueprint.com. Look for the Primal Con link. You can see pictures and videos chronicling the wonderful times we've had in Oxnard over the past four years. And we certainly hope you can join us for the fifth annual Primal Con Oxnard. September 25th through 28th, 2014.